everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 231 are open. This week on the show, I'm going to be talking about the Pokemon World Championships. Splatoon 3 is almost here and much more. And to talk all about that, it's another solo show. It's just old Drewy here by himself, yakking in his spare room. His family's out, so I can be a little bit louder. He can let his feelings and emotions out. He doesn't have to compress them because there's a baby sleeping in the next room. No, they're out and about. Chantel's at work, and uh, a friend has actually got Lucas. Um, and she was quite looking forward to having Lucas. So we're like, well, I'll tell you what, enjoy, my friend, enjoy. So hopefully she and uh, Lucas are going well, but... That means I can be a bit more boisterous in the house of Mario. Uh, first up, I just got to apologize for last week. Um, you know, didn't get an episode out, but apologies for that. You know, like a lot of you guys know, uh, Bryce and I, we find it incredibly hard to sort of make our uh, sort of uh, timelines match up. And I think going forward, you know, I might have to get a bit more creative with what I do with the show. Maybe I can't rely on just us catching up every week or even every fortnight. I don't know how it's going to work, but we will continue forward and continue making the best podcast we can possibly do. So thank you very much for joining in and I um, I hope you enjoy what we are doing. We're doing a fair bit at the moment, actually. Like last week, did an interview with the developers, uh, Castle Pixel behind Blossom Tales 2, one of my favourite indie games and certainly one of my favourite games this year. And it was an absolute pleasure to play through that game. I'll talk about it a little bit later. I've actually got an early copy, which is a very um, very exciting thing for me personally. And I uh, got to play that about a week early and absolutely fantastic title. And talking to the guys, Miguel and Tyler, was an absolutely fantastic time. Uh, they just, you know, really great insight into, into how they you know, made the game and stuff. So if you would like to go and check that out, is on the uh, other second feed we have here at the House of Mario called Encore at the House of Mario. It's on podcast services even on Twitch and YouTube, if you want to go and check that out, at iDruby on both of those services. But um, I want to push it to you guys a little bit more. I'll probably put it up on this feed Thursday if you haven't um, gone and checked it out. But honestly, guys, I would love if you go uh, went and supported the other feed as well. That's where I do solo podcasts, interviews, all sorts of things where I can just be creative and throw any format um, I like at that, uh, at that show and really develop it. And it also gives me an outlet... Uh, that you know isn't uh, isn't reliant on say Bryce or another co-host or something like that. I can just put whatever I want there. So um, I am looking to grow it, and I hope you help me. I hope you enjoy it. But um, if not, of course, uh, I'm glad you're you're in at least one of the houses here. Um, also, I made the decision last night. Uh, Pax Australia they were sort of ending their mail out for tickets, and I noticed they still have tickets for Saturday and Sunday. And look, PAX Australia, one of my favourite times of year. It's been a long time. In between drinks as far as going to Melbourne and PAX is concerned, last time was in 2019, obviously before the pandemic started. And I couldn't help it. There were so many friends of mine and just it's a it's a really, if anything, it's just a really encouraging weekend. When you get back, you are just so motivated to make content and do the best you can just meeting really awesome people you know we've had a uh, other podcasting friends and other gaming friends and whether it's from different communities we're a part of or just uh, running into a random person at the bar and <laughs> there's a few stories where i'm like oh you know uh, what do you do so, oh i'm a, i'm a head of uh, marketing at ea australia 
oh, that's interesting. So if they asked me, what do you do? And this is before I did the podcast or anything, but I was just like, I'm a farmer. <laughs> like, oh, fair enough. Uh, a, I'm out of my natural habitat. I'm usually down the swamp just uh, just looking for yabbies, just uh, trying to get a meal. But here I am at PAX at the convention center. So uh, I'm stoked. Um, I was very nervous about COVID and all that. I am still very nervous. If you see me at PAX, I will have a mask on. I will have my sanitizer in my bag. I will probably bring my own food. I'm going to do everything to make sure. <laughs> I assume I'll probably get it going there, honestly, but I, I want to do my best not to bring it back to my family. But um, I think we're, we're almost at the stage now where we just sort of need to live our lives a bit. And I know COVID and these uh, viruses and all that don't give a shit about you trying to get back to your life. It's, uh, it's going to catch you and um, ever how badly it affects you is you know up to you and the strain you get. But... Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like I've just got to do this, like just for my own mental health, especially, especially uh, that time of year. You know, it's shearing, it's crutching, it's hard physical work, and it plays a lot on my mental health as well. So, just that little break, the weekend, going to Melbourne, seeing friends, just in, just engul <laughs> engulfing. That's not even a word. Just engulfing myself with video games and the culture and friends and all that. I think I really need that. So. Um, I'm stoked to go. So if you are going to PAX Australia, I will be there Saturday, Sunday. Um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to meet you if I haven't met you, if you're a listener of the show, if you're a part of a community I'm a part of. And of course, my mates that are, are going. I can't wait to see you guys. Have a beer, have a water. It's going to be a bloody good weekend. So cannot wait. Be more on that to come. And of course, I'll have content going up from that too. Um, so that, that should be cool. Also this week, I got a Fire Emblem Warriors 3 Hopes review discussion going up on Encore at the House of Mario with my good friend Delfino Durians, who is a part of our community and has her own podcast as well. Um, so cannot wait for that. She's um, she's an absolutely fantastic talker and she has a, <laughs> she loves uh, loves uh, talking about things that she loves and um, I think you guys will get a kick out of it if you'd like to hear more about that game and we do talk a little bit about spoilers as well. But um, I think at this point, if you haven't picked up the game, you're probably not all that worried about um, the minute sort of spoilers we discuss. Um, so it might even sort of uh, push you a little bit more to play the game, say, if you haven't picked it up yet. Because it is a couple of months old at this point. It's just in between, um, you know, I guess my duties of being a dad and um, also with her as well. She had a wisdom teeth out. So there was a couple of weeks there where we had to, had to wait for her mouth to get good. But I assure you, she did plenty of talking <laughs> and her mouth is back to where it needs to be. So awesome stuff. So go and check out those on the, the podcast services. Encore at the House of Mario. Also got Kraken Furfies going up, which is a lot of fun as well. I do with my, my mate Daniel, Ash and Tom, where we sort of bring up new stories or different scenarios to each other. Usually three and we all have to guess which one is the Furfy, which is the made up tale. And it's a lot of fun. It's kind of what I, that is the podcast where I don't, I don't care what I say. I say just outlandish stuff just to get a reaction out of the other guys. And they do the same thing. And some very crude things come up. So go and support that one. A lot of these shows are brand new and don't have much of an audience yet because I'm really bad at sort of trying to um, sell my wares when it comes to doing this stuff. But um, I would very much appreciate it. But um what I also would appreciate, guys, is a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We've got our first one in a very, very long time, and it's a name I'm very happy to see come back onto my screen. 
And it's from Cappy FMO. And I guess the guys in our Discord, you might recognize uh, this name because it was a, a young person coming into our Discord, I would say early high school. And you can tell by the way they typed and also because... I guess, you know, they did probably did the wrong thing and told us how old they were. So we're, we're a very uh, respectful community, so we're not going to uh, share that anywhere else. So, you know, that they were a young person. And we sort of found it out because, like, you know, say a Nintendo game gets a trailer. We're like, oh, check, it, check out the trailer on YouTube. It looks pretty good. And they're like, oh, my parents don't let me go on YouTube. And eventually I think they got the, the gist that um, – they were on Discord talk, talking to random strangers in Australia. So then they uh, they posted basically saying, hey, look, we um, my parents uh, can't have Discord anymore. I've got to go. Catch you later. But they were a fantastic member of our community, and I really miss you, Cappy. I hope you're going well. You always used to post pixel art in our Discord, and you, know, you were sort of improving and learning how to do that. Hope you keep doing that stuff you love, mate. I really hope uh, it goes well for you. But they left a five-star review on Apple Podcast titled Two Great Guys. And the review reads, These peeps be good at podcasting. I used to be on their Discord, and it's a great place. Cappy FMO. So thank you very much, man. It's uh, It means a lot to us. And uh, at the moment, there's only... Uh, I don't know. I'll call myself a cool peep. Why not? But uh, yeah, only one cool peep at the moment. But regardless, thank you very much. And of course, guys, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you like. Spotify, sure. I don't know if you can write anything on Spotify, but it is what it is. Yes. So yeah, that's uh, that's my housekeeping. I, I'm I'm bad at housekeeping, but I hope that um I don't trade you for what's coming up anyway. Let's move on to a guru geek out. This is where we um you know give someone a shout out or talk about something we really liked over the past. But this is. This is something I want to bring up and I, I, I need your help. So typically at the end of the show, I leave the hashtag for you guys to do a status on social media. That sort of helps me know that, oh, look, you listen to the show, but a social engagement here and there doesn't help or doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt, sorry, it definitely helps. Um, but I'm going to introduce the hashtag a little bit early in the show. And the hashtag is, why don't you call by sometime? Hashtag, why don't you call by sometime? And that's because the Guru Geek Out I want to uh, highlight this week is for a good friend of mine who I have not heard of from in a long time. That's Eric Zuch. And if you've been listening to this show or potentially his show a couple of years ago, uh, we were both Nintendo podcasters from, uh, from South Australia. We met on Facebook and we've become good friends ever since then. He had a podcast called Nintendo by Numbers. And it was a great show and... Um, himself and his partner, Nat, would get together, talk about, you know, Nintendo news and all the stuff Nintendo podcasters talk about. And they absolutely, uh, you know, love doing it. And I love listening to it. And it was great having friends who were, you know, Nintendo podcasters, same part in the world. You know, it's just a, it's just a match made in heaven. So I got a, had a lot of respect for Eric. And he made the big decision in 2019 to go full-time content creator on YouTube. And... Uh, basically he's going to take the year off and he, he'll either make it work or he won't make it work. And across that time, he become a fantastic video editor, host on camera, you know, did the podcast, did videos, and he had a, sort of a great following that, you know, took off pretty well, you know, a few thousand subscribers, um, but ultimately it was not enough to sustain, you know, his bills. <laughs> so at the end of that year, he uh, basically left and uh, he did something else. He actually become a real estate photographer 
had his own, you know, use all these skills that he learned from YouTube and utilized them in a different business. And I thought that was really cool. I think it was, um, you know, it was unfortunate that he didn't hold on that a little bit longer because that's when Animal Crossing came out and the pandemic. And that's when a lot of creators went from zero to 100,000. Like literally guys, like um, Animal Crossing was a huge boom for content creators. And if you sort of focused on it, it was um, impressive. And, you know, just obviously with uh, this segment being dedicated to Bobby Paul's Nintendo guru, I remember him saying that Animal Crossing was going to be massive and I'm on record on his show being like, you know what, it's going to be big, but I can't see it beating Pokemon or, you know, uh, Zelda or anything like that. It's going to be big, but come on. Uh, you know, dead wrong. I don't know if anyone could necessarily predict that, but he did. So, you know, hat off to Bobby Pauls. Absolute legend. Miss him very much. But the thing with Eric is after he left the content creation space, Never heard from him again. He's a good friend of mine. We never met in person. We almost did, but it just didn't work out when when Bryce and I were up, up in um, Adelaide for Avcon. But ever since, we never heard from him again. I sent him a couple of messages. Been like, hey, man, how you going? On Twitter, Facebook, never heard from him. And the other day after Bryce and I recorded the show, that was like uh, two or three weeks ago at this point, we are thinking to ourselves, what happened to Eric? Sure, I hope he's going okay. I assume he's got his his uh, his business is going well, and he's just taking a break from from the internet. Because if you spend all day on Twitter and Facebook, your mental health is going to go down downhill, and we all fall into that trap sometimes. So totally get it. Like if you if you're not on social media, that's fine. But we went to his site. So I'm like, I tell you what, I might get his phone number. I might give him a call, see how he's going. The site's down. The site is not available. All oh, right. So is he still doing the business? Um, can't contact him on social media. Can't find his phone number. Um, we go to their both of their Facebook pages. They haven't updated since like 2020. And um, honestly, Bryce and I were like, are they okay? Like there's no sign that they're alive. <laughs> and I know just because you're not on the internet um, doesn't mean, uh, you know, something awful's happened. But I'm like, Jesus. Um, so basically... Bryce and I were talking about a little bit. Then uh, when Xenoblade Chronicles 3 released, guess who pops up on the left-hand corner of my screen playing Xenoblade? It's Eric Zuch. But it looks like the Switch is the only platform I can reach him on, yet there is no messaging system on the Nintendo Switch. And, uh, you know, that really hurts because there's lots of, uh, there's lots of like, uh, you know, sort of uh, examples of online gaming being able to connect people. And I think Nintendo's platform is probably the only place where you cannot connect with uh, your friends. Um, because if I could just send you a message, hey, you're alive, how you going? <laughs> I'd love a chat sometime. So like I said, leave the hashtag, what was it again? Why don't you pop in sometime? At, at Eric Zuch on Twitter. I don't know if you'll check it, but at the house of Mario at the house of Mario, how it's spelled at Eric Zuch. Eric Zuch is spelled E-R-I-C-Z-A-U-C-H. So do that for me. Let's see if we can get him back on the show. I'd just love to talk to him again. Um, but it's a, it's a weird situation where I'm like, all right, so you're alive, you're popping up on Switch. But apart from that, I got no idea, man. So hope you're going well, Eric. If you ever listen to this, you probably won't. But here we are. <laughs> 
Let's move into some games. I've been playing some awesome games over the last couple of weeks. Most notably has been Blossom Tales 2. Um, back in 2017, I really, really loved Blossom Tales. It came out on the 21st of December in 2017. So I actually purchased the game on Christmas. So, you know, I put like 100 bucks on my eShop and let's buy some fun games. And Blossom Tales 2 was easily the highlight for me. It's an action-adventure game with the with the uh, Zelda formula. And, um, you know, a lot of the games that take on Zelda, you know, it's a pretty hard task to live up to. Zelda's a great game. <laughs> There's a lot of great Zelda games out there made by a big company called Nintendo who has had years of uh, making this formula something that's, um, that's really special. But uh, the team at Castle Pixel really made an incredible first attempt at the Zelda formula and... Um, at the time, I was working at the pub, hospitality, holidays, working a lot at night times. And in my free time, when, say, everyone's in bed or whatever time I'm coming back, it's Blossom Tales 2, jumping into oh, Blossom Tales 1 in 2017. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It's a pretty short game. It's only, it took me about 12 hours to beat and also it took me about 12 hours to beat the uh, second game. But I think that's a great sort of time in between, you know, it doesn't have to be 20 hours. I like these shorter experiences. Not too short, but I think, um, you know, the first game, it got the dungeons, the items, and I think it was really special what they'd done with the story as well, how uh, the whole story is being told by your grandpa. And you're playing as the protagonist, Lily, and your grandpa's telling the story to yourself and your little brother. And what that allows for is just really creativity along um, along the story, how you're actually able to be like, oh, look, um, there's this big big, uh, big enemy there. Then your brother's arguing, uh, arguing with you about what it actually is and what they would prefer to see in the story. And it just jumps back and forth and how like you know, zombies might just come out of nowhere because your little brother's like, yeah, zombies! Yeah. <laughs> And um, in the second game, you're actually able to make choices of what like what enemies you're able to face because of like the argument between yourself and your brother. Like a lot of the times, I was thinking like, mm, do I want to verse the wolves or do I want to want to verse the frogs? And I always picked the uh, picked the wolves because the frogs had like this uh, bubble poison projectile. I'm like oh, I don't want to deal with that. So um, it's uh, it adds actually a fair bit to the gameplay. So the story is uh, really charming in both games. And um, just uh, absolutely fantastic. But what the second game sort of offers is when you start the game, you're being told the story um, from the perspective of your grandpa. You go to this opening ceremony about the uh, Minotaur uh, king who a long time ago passed away. And you do this little trial. You have to verse your brother. And you have a bit of a tiff with your brother. These are only little kids, remember. So, um, uh you know, your brother Chris really annoys you and you wish that uh, the Minotaur King would come and uh, come and get him. And unfortunately for Lily, that was at the point where um, her wish would come true and the Minotaur King came back and took Chris. So the rest of the game is to save your brother from the Minotaur King. And while it's not like a, oh my God, what's going on here story, it's charming the whole way through and sets a great reason for you to go over the overworld, go through the dungeons, plenty of side quests and side stories. Um, just a, a really sort of great game, which um, I'm really happy come out because I've always had a few sequels I've always wanted. You've, you've heard about Mario Strikers. You know, we know how that turned out. You always hear about me talking about Kid Icarus. 
I'm trying to make it into a little bit of a meme and maybe not even on purpose, but it, it is what it is. I just really want that game. And uh, honestly, guys, Blossom Tales 2 was right there. When we, we got the announcement, I think last September, that it was coming from a brand new publisher, Platonic and Friends. Uh, just um, I'm really happy it came out. So talking with the developers was fantastic. You know, I finished the game and be able to jump straight on and be like, ask them some questions. And I actually found a bug. <laughs> which they were really surprised they had not seen before where one of the characters actually duplicated, which was uh, pretty cool to bring up to them. So Blossom Tales 2, like, I could not recommend it enough. If you're a fan of um, top-down Zelda games, and personally for me, like the remake of Link's Awakening is the closest thing we've um, had from Nintendo as far as like a top-down Zelda game goes. But uh, I don't know. I don't enjoy Link's Awakening that much. I've got to be honest. I... I haven't even finished it yet. It's one of those games I go back to. And I'm just not, I just don't enjoy it. It's a bit too, it's a bit too convoluted in what you've got to do. You can't just like walk around and explore. I don't know. But this game really sort of uh, has a great sort of touch of exploration and side quests where you're like, you can't do it. So you've got to go back and do it later with like the certain item you get from the dungeons. And, you know, if you're, that's obviously a, something that comes from the Metroid series where, oh yeah, I'll come back to like that later. And um, in sometimes in Zelda, but a big recommendation for me. It's only cheap too, guys. It's fifteen dollars USD and twenty two here in Australia. Like I said this to the developers, I'm like, seriously, people spend thirty dollars or fifty dollars on Darth Vader and Fortnite or Sonic and Fall Guys. Support some local, well, not local, but support some indie developers who take the time out of their jobs. You know, they took time off to make this game. And just give them 15 bucks, guys. <laughs> um, I, I love seeing people just uh, really, really reach for the stars and make their own game. And I think it's, I think it's fantastic. So, Boston Tales 2, one of my favorite games of the year. Fantastic. Another game I've dived into a little bit, but um, not too much to actually talk about it confidently. But it's called Cult of the Lamb, made by Massive Monster here in Australia, in Melbourne. Um, just... Uh, this game is, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And after playing the demo a few months ago and playing the first hour or so on Switch, uh, just uh, a really great game. It feels awesome to play. I'm looking forward to getting more into it. Over the last week, I haven't sort of sat down with uh, that much gaming, to be honest. I spent a lot of my time, like, you know, getting the podcast stuff done, you know. But um, <laughs> that's taken my free time, to be honest. But looking forward to getting into Cult of the Lamb, maybe on the weekend or so. But also what's been taking up my time uh, has been Mario Kart 8 DLC, The Wave 2. I think uh, th this uh, second wave is a lot of fun. I think I'm getting a lot more bang for the buck out of it than Wave 1. I really enjoy the Sydney level. I There's honestly not a level or a, a course in the in the Wave 2 that I don't enjoy. I think it's I think it's great. Um, like e even that they're from Mario Kart Tour, I've got, you know, I've played Mario Kart Tour. I didn't enjoy it. I've got nothing against using touch controls. I got nothing against mobile gaming. In fact, I think mobile gaming is fantastic. It's just, um, it's just a monetization that I have a problem with. I just do not see the point in investing in characters, which costs, you know, they're not cheap. And then they, they work better on certain levels and they got more items. And it just see, it doesn't seem like fun to me when we've got Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. 
I'd much rather just play that. <laughs> if it was just Mario Kart on a phone, that would be fine. But it is what it is. But the imp- implementation of the tour courses are fantastic. Um, like from Wave 1, the Paris course, very biased for Sydney. The New York course is fantastic. And the Sky High Sunday, is, which is the brand new course, is pretty cool as well. I looked at some comparisons. It seems like it's actually better utilized in Mario Kart Tour mainly because of the anti-gravity stuff put into the Mario Kart 8 version. Slows it down a little bit and it kind of kind of just makes not much sense because you're not going really upside down or anything. It just makes like your falls a little bit slower and and things like that. Just slows down the gravity. But um, yeah, I, I'm actually really looking forward to wave three, but that's going to be a while. So hold your phone, Drew. Hold your phone. Hold your horses. Don't hold your phone. I don't know why. I'm, hold your phone. <laughs> Someone might call you. You never know. They won't. It'd be my mum being like, oh, wrong number. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So that's what I've been playing. We've got plenty of news to talk about. We've got news from the Pokemon World Championships, a little bit of Splatoon 3 stuff that I missed a week or so ago, and a little bit of unfortunate stuff as far as uh, sexual <laughs> sexual uh, allegations coming from Nintendo of America, which we'll touch on as well. But uh, let's get into it. Woohoo! Yeah! So over the last four days, we've had, uh, well, the Pokemon company has been streaming the Pokemon World Championships, which is actually really exciting. So this has been the first time this event has come back since the start of the pandemic and just seeing competitive Pokemon again, people in person celebrating the series is really exciting. I've been enjoying it. It's been held in London. So I've been watching it like a little bit at nighttime around tea, but it's the streams have been about 10 hours, so I haven't been staying up watching it all. I've got a lot to catch up on outside of, say, just like Pokemon Sword and Shield. They introduced Pokemon Go competitive this year, which is pretty interesting. I am yet to watch one battle, but I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I will go and check that out. I will watch some old streams just to see, you know, what the really uh, talented players are doing with Pokemon Go. But Pokken Tournament, it was the last year. It'll be held at Worlds. So that was a big send-off for that game. And uh, the Pokemon Trading Card game as well, which is uh, always huge. But we got some news at the very end, but we'll touch on that um, after I just go over um, what I thought of the whole event. I thought the, you know, as, as far as like uh, the video game side of thing goes, um, you know, Pokemon Sword and Shield, the competitive aspect has always been really interesting to me. And it's really, you know, a lot of unfortunate things come from the pandemic. And this is uh, not at the top of that list. But as far as uh, the Pokemon community goes, Sword and Shield, it was really really showing promise as far as being the competitive game. Uh, In 2019, it was sort of, uh, you know, it was brewing up. And the first series was launching in uh, 2020. I was actually going to go to Melbourne to check out the regionals. And, uh, you know, see what it's all about and see what the Australian scene's doing. Uh, I didn't end up going because I was actually I was actually doing some painting, actually. Painting the walls in this room. I'm like, oh, look, I've just got to got to get this done. Instead of just driving to Melbourne to go and watch Pokemon. So I was, I was pretty much just had my AirPods in, listening to the regionals, all the talented players here in Australia going at it. But uh, it wasn't long after that, but the pandemic hit. And, you know, Pokemon came to a standstill and a lot of the sort of online infrastructure wasn't really set up for Pokemon. Um, there was some problems as far as um, 
there's a, a spectator mode that is utilized by the Pokemon company when they are doing these tournaments. But I think it's only... I don't know how you use it. I I don't know if it's only wireless play or something with a special switch or something. But um, for the Pokemon company and content creators that want to do tournament systems for competitive Pokemon, they were not able to use that. And that's important because otherwise the person on the big screen, they can be sniped pretty much. They can be... You can see what, what moves they're doing. And even from the online stream, it's not that fun to sort of see like, you know, the cursor move back and forth or what moves they're going to choose or what Pokemon they're going to swap out. It just keeps the tensions up for the spectator. That's why there's a spectator mode. So there's some, there's some things we hope are going to come over to um, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet when they come out. But uh, now it's back in person. All of those things are sort of, you know, behind us for the most part. <laughs> but, uh, the battles were fantastic and it reminded me like, because I really wanted to get into competitive Pokemon actually with Sword and Shield, but um, with everything that happened and the whole competitive scene just going dormant and being just really, uh, I was really busy in 2020 as well. Just, I got a lot more work, which is, which is not a bad problem compared to some out there that (laughs) lost their jobs and that, but it, it really burnt me out. I was working every day and I don't know if I got like a couple of weeks off, um, you know, days off to make up two weeks in the whole year. Like it was nuts. It wasn't much fun. Uh, but it's a, it was great to see it again. What really was great to see it again. And there was actually two Australians that were um, finalists in this. So two Aussies were the runners up in the VGC championships uh, Kira N was uh, taking was becoming the junior junior runner up, and Nicholas K in the seniors was the um, runner up. And I watched uh, Nicholas's match. He unfortunately went down 2-0, which is unfortunate. I was really um, rooting for him, but it was not meant to be, unfortunately. But um, he was the juniors champion back in 2017, so that must have been, I guess, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, or just Sun and Moon, back when that was the competitive format. So it was a uh, it was a great watch, and watching the finals was fantastic. It went down two one, so I used all three matches. It's the best of three when it comes down to competitive Pokemon. Um, two two members from uh, Spain, Spain and Portugal. One was definitely from Portugal, and uh, it was a fantastic match. But th- there was the second match. There was a there's a little bit of a baffling decision. So. One team had a ground on and Incineroar on the field. And I, th- I think it was just a Kyogre left. No, it wasn't. No, it was a Rillaboom. Just a Rillaboom left. And what what happened is the ground on went for um, Rock Tomb. And Rock Tomb doesn't do much to a Rillaboom, but it lowers his speed. And then the Incineroar comes in with the fire attack and just knocked out the Rillaboom. And that was that was the uh, the first win for um, that particular that particular person in the finals, but I, I was sort of just baffled that they sort of they put both of their Pokemon's moves into the Incineroar, but the Groudon was just left with four HP like the turn before, and I was just thinking to myself like, why would you not knock out that Groudon? The Groudon it doesn't have any fire attacks; it's a ground type. It it didn't pose that much of a, th- a threat to the Rillaboom. The threat is in the Incineroar. But I believe 
Rillaboom should have been faster than Incineroar, but with the, the Rock Tomb coming off and lowering the speed, that's why the Incineroar was able to take out the Rillaboom. And obviously these guys are <laughs> like literally professional Pokemon players. They're finalists. I'm sure they have their reason. That's just how it played out. But that, that like without that Groudon slowing down that Rillaboom, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but I'd love to have it explained and maybe check out some some replays and maybe some content creators sort of discussing like move by move going forward. But it's interesting to watch. And uh, you know, like Sword and Shield was a, a great turnaround for competitive play as far as I'm concerned. A lot of like, you know, all of the sort of the problems with uh, with the game, like back in the day, whatever you want to talk about, um, they are certainly not evident in the competitive aspect of uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, really interesting. And we got trailers um, sort of outlying some changes to the competitive format and Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, which I'm excited to uh, bring up. But um, yeah, just a, a sort of a great event. And I've got a lot to catch up on. Like I said, it was uh, basically streaming all night here in Australia. So when Drewy needs sleep, Drewy gets his sleep. All right. Because if he doesn't, Lucas is going to make sure <laughs> I regret it the next day. I'll tell you that. But he actually slept really, really well last night, guys. He woke up once. He woke up once at 10 o'clock. That's fantastic. He usually wakes up at two or three times. So clap, clap to Lucas, everyone. Everyone give Lucas a clap. Wherever you are, you're in the car, you're on the treadmill. Maybe you're just putting some deodorant on after a shower and you're listening to Drew. Hey, you're all naked and wet. Oh, yeah. Regardless, let's talk about what they announced at the closing ceremony for Pokemon Worlds in London. So um, sort of most exciting to me was the competitive play trailer they released and they brought out a brand new Pokemon called Cyclezar. And Cyclezar is a, actually a pretty cool Pokemon. He, he looks a lot like a pre-evolution to the legendary Pokemon on the box arts. So Coridon and Maridon. It's another sort of uh, dragon type for it has like has the wheel <laughs> wheel sort of aspect and there's other trainers in the game that are riding it um, and it's a dragon normal type so there's not many dragon normal types there's uh, Drampa which was um, brought out in Pokemon uh, what's it called uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon which is pretty cool but cycles are I think the most uh, sort of exciting thing about it is it has a brand new move called uh, shed tail and on the trailer it says uh, create a substitute then swap places with a party Pokemon in waiting and what it outlines in this trailer is a lot of exciting things and opportunities and uh, changes to the metagame that uh, a lot of competitive players are really excited about and you can probably tell because this is this trailer is number 11 on trending and it's at uh, um, 1.3 million views on YouTube so you know just it's just this is just a trailer with like here's some new moves, here's some items, and you know on surface level it doesn't sound all that exciting. It's not like here's our brand new Pokemon. Well, there was one, but not like a bunch of new Pokemon. But this is the type of nitty gritty stuff that old Rui cares about a lot, especially going into whether I get into competitive play or just watching it at Pokemon Worlds next year. It's pretty cool. So what this basically allows guys is you can make a substitute. And then you can bring in another Pokemon that might, say, be a bit more frail. And then they won't get knocked out straight away. And at the moment, we're sort of utilizing Focus Slash, uh, Sash, 
which is an item that you cannot be one hit KO'd. You will always live on one um, HP of health. But this is a different way to sort of do it and it can utilize this Pokemon, send it out, set up that substitute, then swap straight into another Pokemon. And it's kind of like substitute plus baton pass. I don't see it being a, a, a baton pass um, replacement. Baton pass, for those that don't know, is say you can like raise your stats and then you can swap into another Pokemon and those stat changes go on to the um, incoming Pokemon. Whereas without that, you'll just lose those stat increases on the Pokemon that you raised them on. Um, so you can do some pretty crazy things, um, like maxing attack, putting onto a big strong Pokemon, bringing it in, maybe a bit more frail so it doesn't have time to set up. Um, but now we've got some sort of some other utilizations of this strategy, having other Pokemon do the work for you and bring them in without losing that turn, which is pretty dope. So a lot of people were interested in this Pokemon because the Pokemon looks fine. It looks like a looks like a dragon lizard. It's a green. It has re resemblance to the legendaries, but uh, this move um, is a uh, pretty awesome. And uh, I'm waiting for the trailer to move on a little bit here. I do have a list here. What else we got in? All right. So we also we got some new items as well, which is, you know, like I said, items cool. So the first item is called the Convert Cloak. This uh, hooded cloak conceals the holder, protecting it from additional effects of moves. And this is a massive one as well, guys. So basically in the metagame at the moment, there's a lot of fake outs. So fake out is a, a pretty weak move, but also basically makes the Pokemon flinch. So they just do nothing for that turn, which can be detrimental if you're trying to set up, if you're trying to target a particular Pokemon to knock them out. Um, a few a few basically fake outs that land can be detrimental to your team. So if you've got a Pokemon that you certainly do not want losing a turn or maybe aren't all that great against the dark type move, um, it's, it's a big one for that. We've also got the mirror herb and this one is nuts. So this herb will allow the holder to mirror an opponent, opponent's stat increases and boost its own stats, but only once. So this is a consumable item. And in a sort of example here, we've got Azumarill. It's using Belly Drum. And Belly Drum halves the user's HP, but also maxes its attack stat, which um, along, especially with Azumarill, it's got an ability called Huge Power that doubles its attack on top of that. So Azumarill is uh, absolutely just a... Just a powerhouse, and it's <laughs> it's just it's such a it it doesn't look like it. It's a, a cute little mouse, a aquatic mouse Pokemon, but uh, you know, it's um it's something to really be afraid of in the, in the meta game. And I believe Azumarill wasn't in Pokemon Sword and Shield, so seeing it come back in these games is pretty exciting. But this item is going to be interesting because in past games you can belly drum, you lose some HP. That's the downside, but. The upside is you become a, a, just a monster. But through this new item, it completely shifts the metagame to really think about when and where you put up your stats and how you put up your stats. Because if you suspect a certain Pokemon has this Mirror Herb, you do not want a Belly Drum because they will get your attack stat increase, but they will not lose their HP. So they get all the gain and none of the repercussions. So you've 
before, like you're just thinking about, oh, look, am I going to be able to survive an attack if I halve my HP? But now it's a, now you've got to think about it a lot more, which is going to be, it's going to be interesting how like the really professional players utilize this, which is pretty cool. Another item we got is the loaded dice. If a Pokemon holding this item uses his multi-strike move, that Pokemon will become more likely, uh, more likely to hit more times. In the example, it's got Breloom losing, using Bullet Seed. And Bullet Seed is a multiple hit um, uh, <laughs> it's a multiple hit attack. And uh, Breloom as well. It can also have the um, move tech, uh, sorry, the ability Tactician, which I think also increases its um, the amount of times it can attack. Um, with uh, multi multi moves, so with like bullet seed, it's a pretty weak attack just by itself. But if you hit, if you've got like a heap of attacks coming out, then then it's going to be a very powerful move, especially when um, what's it called, terraformed, or <laughs> when it's terraformed or anything like that. So that's pretty cool as well. And we got some examples of uh, the uh, t- terrestrial. Phenomenon in battle. <laughs> T- uh, terror- terrestrial. I'm saying that, right? So it-, it showed some examples of how you can utilize this in the professional format when you um, um, terrestrialize your Pokemon. Um, it can change type if you've got like that special Pokemon with that terrestrial type. And it shows that Tyranitar um, can become a ghost type. And this is massive because... Um, Tyranitar's biggest weakness is the fight is fighting type moves because of its dark rock type. It's four times weak against fighting types. So if you know you're in trouble, then you can be like, all right, it's time to um, terrestrialize and become a ghost type, and you're immune to fighting. Like you just completely reverse your weaknesses, which is pretty cool. And with um, I don't know if we've really even had that mega evolution. Mega Evolution, we've had some forms that have changed our typing, but we haven't really seen it where it just reverses and flips where we can do it this way. Another example of this is Colossal that has um, an ability called uh, Steam uh, Steam Engine, whereas if you get hit by a water attack, um, it it really increases your speed. Like, you know, you're, you're, I guess you're a train toot-toot all aboard, Steam's going. But you're a fire rock type, so what's even the point if you're going to get a four times a weakness against a, a type that's going to increase your speed? But now you can change into a water type, so water moves are going to do very little, but you're able to increase your speed and become a become a bloody menace like that. So a lot of cool uses in the competitive format, which I'm really excited about. We've seen a couple of examples of type changes. We've got three items, a new Pokemon with a cool new move and just just those alone if there's a lot more of these changes in the game super exciting super exciting for the competitive aspect of pokemon and uh, where it might lead but we've also got a brand new move that's called terra blast and um it shows a brand new power when the user is terrestrialized and uh, terra blast is a normal move that can be learned with hm when used by a terrestrialized Pokemon, it becomes a move the same type as the Pokemon's Terra type and displays its immense might. Use it at the right moment to change the flow of battle. And also this move utilizes whatever stat is more strong. So whether it's the attack stat or the special attack stat. 
which can really turn the tide of um, what's going on. It shows an example of a um, Gallade coming out, which is a psychic fighting type. And then um, with the, the, the switch, <laughs> with the flip of a switch, um, Bloody Tyranitar becomes a ghost type, uses its terror, terror Blast and just smacks out the Gallade, which is really cool. So a lot of sort of things you've got to think about when you're going up against opponents that are really using these um, these moves. And it's kind of a shame because like, well, not with this, but, you know, there's so much in-depth detail to Pokemon and I really hope there's something in the post-game or whatever where it really utilizes this. We've had battle um, battle towers and stuff, but I really like where, you know, the Pokemon meta is going and I hope they continue going with this stuff and um, implementing some really sort of ways that make the... Um, make the players think about what they're doing and predicting what's going on in that team. And I think it's uh, fantastic. And Pokemon Worlds is is so much fun. I'm glad it's back. Next year, it's going to be um, in Japan. So very cool. Very, <laughs> very cool indeed. Um, is uh, in uh, Yokohama in Japan. And, um, you know, the, the place in Japan that uh, the Kanto region is based off. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. We also got some news for the Pokemon TCG. I'm not as knowledgeable about the Pokemon TCG. And by that, I mean not much at all. I like the pretty art on the cards. <laughs> and uh, the brand new Scarlet and Violet set coming in 2023 is no exception. They look beautiful. The EX uh, cards are coming back and uh, they look absolutely fantastic. So cannot wait to spend too much money on those next year. I dare say I might... You know, with the whole new Pokemon generation and stuff, I might be pretty invigorated to to jump into some of those cards and see if I can get a Coradon or a Maradon. Uh, so, yeah, no, Pokemon Worlds, guys, really exciting. I've got to go back and check out some Pokemon Go battles. And I watched a little bit of uh, Pokemon Tournament. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I just love that. It, you know, it reminds me of, you know, why I love Pokemon. Looking at these trailers, honestly, I'm like, I, I hope they polish up just the presentation a little bit more and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but just as far as like the the overarching thing goes with just what they're putting into the competitive battling mechanics, the open world, um, looking forward to it. I really am. Um, come closer to November 18th. Jesus, I cannot wait. It's going to be a going to be a game I'm really excited for. And on the weekend, actually, I picked up a copy of Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and a physical copy of uh, Legends Arceus. Um, because I collect the Pokemon games physically. I know on this show and whatever podcast I go on, I'm always uh, sort of dissing what's going on with uh, the physical games, but Pokemon games, I always collect them. I love the series. Um, and yeah, that that's why I'm, I'm so critical of it. But moments like this, let's just get together, celebrate what makes Pokemon awesome and um, maybe ignore some of the, you know, the commercial things you can just tell the Pokemon company you're trying to put down our throats sometimes. Um, start away from the mobile, ga- mobile games for the most part, you know. You know what I mean? They're trying to they're trying to get your money. Pokemon Masters, uh, Pokemon Go is pretty good though. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's basically the roundup of uh, what happened at the Pokemon World Championships. So yeah, can't wait to get some more Pokemon news. After that, I've got a Powerade here. I've got a crack, guys. Let me have a bit of a drink, a bit of a sip. Oh, baby, solo, solo podcasting 
does a number on your throat. I, I last week I reckon I had a bit of a sore throat, so I would not have gotten this far. But uh, yeah. Here I am. So next up is um, just uh, a few smaller stories before we get into into some bigger ones again. This is some. This is from Vooks.net, fantastic resource here in Australia for Nintendo news. Uh, Hori has a new split pad for Switch, and it's looking fit. Actually, has a little bit of a wee fit look. <laughs> One of the color schemes, anyway. Um, so basically, Hori has a brand new split, uh, split pad pro. If you um, went into EB Games or any retailers, maybe on PlayAsia or something online, you might remember the SplitPad Pro. It's a big, beefy sort of controller-looking Joy-Con with, like, the full sticks, D-pad, um, back buttons, the whole thing. Uh, it, it looks a little bit ungodly. Um, now that the Steam Deck's a thing that <laughs> that exists, this doesn't look so bad. It's, uh, it's pretty small <laughs> in comparison. But for me personally, like, the Switch itself... It does give me hand cramps, like just playing it with the Joy-Cons, especially with the amount, amount I play. So I've actually got a grip. I've got a Skull & Co grip for my Switch OLED and my original Switch as well. I had a, a different one for that one as well. And that that feels great. So personally for me, I like putting the grips on instead of these like big Joy-Cons. Um, but this one looks fantastic as well. And what really interests me about um, these controllers is just getting access to a D-pad. I really miss a D-pad on Switch, and I got so many indie games I'll um, probably enjoy a lot more playing it with a D-pad. But this is a great option. Um, it, it's a bit slimmer than the original uh, 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 Split Pad Pro. The colors look a lot cooler as well. We've got like a nice navy blue. We've got a like a like a red color, not not very like light though. But the whole thing is just red, including the buttons and the sticks. I think that looks awesome. And the one that I thought reminded me of a Wii Fit was like a green and a white. It's just got that kind of aesthetic about it. It looks nice though. And also another teal and white option as well. So you'll be able to get these soon. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they have batteries in them. So you will only be able to play on the actual handheld itself. Um, you can't use them wirelessly, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but it's not too bad. I think most of us, when we're playing in handheld mode, we're playing in handheld mode. Then we chuck it in the dock and then we are playing with a pro controller or maybe you've even got a pair of Joy-Cons sat around just for TV play, however you play. But doesn't it also has no HD rumble or NFC and it's about uh, 50 bucks Australia, according to um, Vox. So um, interesting. I, I personally, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of the whole um, like no battery, no NFC. I hate controllers that don't have all the features that I could potentially need. Like, how many times have I used NFC on my Joy-Cons? Or oh, probably like, honestly, guys, back in Breath of the Wild. It's been a long time. <laughs> Just getting my cooking items. Like, I remember the last time I used an Amiibo. Have I even used one in Smash Ultimate? I don't know if I have. So does it matter that much? And if I'm playing on the Switch itself, does it matter that I can't take them off? Honestly, no. Do I want to take them off? Do they look like they feel good in your hands? Just without it? Because they're a bit wider. Probably not as well. So interesting color schemes. Personally, for me, I prefer the grip, uh, but they look awesome. They make the Switch look pretty dope. Um, next up, we got uh, a bit of news about Nintendo uh, shrinking their Switch packaging to boost shipping efficiency. A very boring sort of uh, news article to bring up, but just something I'd like to put your way if you are going to pick up a Switch and you notice like, ah, oh, 
the original model's box is a bit smaller. Does this mean it's got a brand new Tegra X chip in it? Does it bloody have wicked graphics? Is it different? Is this something that isn't being reported? Nintendo's just sneaking the Switch Pro into our fingertips? No, this is just um, them trying to fit more on ships, being more efficient in their packaging. Every sort of bit of cardboard, every bit of plastic is, uh, you know, potentially millions of dollars in savings once it's all added up if they're selling as many as they are, which they are. So pretty cool. It's going to be reduced by 20% in size and it'll be kind of similar to what you expect from the OLED boxes, which are very small considering um, the original size. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Next up, we got some really weird news about a retro game that's been locked locked away for 28 years. And that is a two-player mode has been found in Super Punch-Out after 28 years. And this was posted on Twitter by Unlisted Cheats and, quote, while doing some request work, casually found some new cheats in Super Punch-Out for SNES. All secret codes in this game use two button combinations. Two of them are known, sound test and Japanese name input, but there are two more. At the title, hold Y plus R, then A or start. Following the screen uh, will appear instead of the regular menus. Uh, here you can select any fighter, um, uh, any, any uh, <laughs> select any character to fight a free single match. See, even fighters from Special Circuit are available here. Um, at the title, hold Y and R, then press A or start. Following screen appear instead of the regular menus. He can select any character. Did that just repeat? Oh, who's, sorry, I read that twice. Sorry. Moving on. Uh, even more in this free match. Start at character info. Screen, hold B plus Y, then start and or A. Uh, from now, the CPU opponent can be controlled uh, from Joypad 2, so you can fight against a real person. So how dope is that, that after all this time, there's just this two-player mode that was left in the game, was taken out for whatever reason. Nintendo most likely was not happy with how it played or didn't really meet their vision of what they wanted Super Punch-Out to be. So it was just left in there. And, you know, from, from what I imagine being like a coder or something, any little bit you take out could just have a domino effect on the rest of the game. So... It just gets hidden. It doesn't doesn't have a menu to be selected from. Um, but all this time, it's been found. It wasn't 10 years later. It wasn't 15 or 20. It was 28 years later. And you can play this on the Nintendo Switch Online version of the game as well with online play, which is nuts. So pretty cool little discovery there. Um, hopefully, I'll check it out sometime. Uh, Super Punch-Out. It's, it's always been a game I've gone in and dabbled with, but I haven't really done anything too serious with it. Like I haven't gone and like beat everyone and worked at everybody's patterns, but got to check out this two player mode just from a historical point. It's, um, it's fascinating. Uh, moving on a big congratulations to Koei Tecmo for selling 1 million copies of Fire Emblem Warriors three hopes. Uh, this is a, this is a game that I absolutely love. One of my favorite games on switch this year, never been really a Warriors fan, always respected Fire Emblem, but None of the games really connected with me too much. Um, but playing through this on the lead up, I'm like, I, I really like the aesthetic, everything, the characters, about three houses. And haven't really been much of a Warriors guy, but 
you know, the fire emblem mixed in there with the strategy and like slowing stuff down for level ups and stuff could be something I'm, in, I'm interested in. And it certainly was, um, 32 hours, love the game. Fantastic. Um, and I'm glad that it, it sold well. I am, I want to see sort of more takes on the warrior series when it comes to Nintendo. I know I've had two Zelda games. We've had another fire emblem game. And, um, outside of that for third parties, we've got, you know, persona strikers, we had two um, Dragon Quest games um, take on the Warriors formula, and I'm I'm keen to I'm keen to go and check out you know Fire Emblem Warriors that came out in 2017. I'm keen to check out Horror Warriors, Age of Calamity. I think I'm going to save Age of Calamity a little bit closer to um, the launch of Breath of the Wild 2, just to you know get in that Zelda mood. But yeah, man, super happy this sold a lot. I think it's fantastic and. I will have that review discussion up with Delfino Durians on Ankara at the House of Mario later this week if you'd like to check that out. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the Splatoon, Splatoon uh, 3 Direct. I'm not going to go through everything. I'm sure you guys have watched it. I'm sure you've heard other podcasters, YouTubers, content creators talk about this. So I'm not going to go into all the detail. I'm also not like a super knowledgeable person about Splatoon. Um, it's been a while since I played Splatoon uh, 2. Um, I did actually want to go back to it, but when I moved to my OLED switch, I forgot that Splatoon 2 did not include save file, uh, uh, cloud save files. Unfortunately, it's a big sort of um, oversight by myself and more to the point, the developers <laughs> of the game and of the online service. Um, so I'm just waiting for Splatoon 3. I cannot wait for this game to come back, the community to be in full force again with Splatfests, with you know online lobbies and you know, in our Discord and Carpool Gaming Discord and PSVG Discord and um, just so many, like, communities I'm a part of just jumping in, playing some Splatoon. It's going to be really great. And, you know, I was looking forward to the game, but this this Direct, honestly, for me, just hyped me up more for the game. And I went and uh, pre-ordered the Amiibo, which uh, looked really cool. Um I went and pre-ordered the uh, Switch Pro controller. I'm like, ah, I really actually kind of regretted not getting the uh, Pro controller for Splatoon, Splatoon uh, 2. So, like, yeah, I'll get this one. I don't quite like the colors as much, I, but I like them enough to spend $110 on the controller. So that, that, that's that. But the Amiibo, holy holy moly, I love the Amiibo. And um, they're the most expensive Amiibo um, I've, I've purchased. They're $70 for a three-pack here in Australia. But it's okay. It is what it is. But they're, um, they're, the Amiibo is Squid Girl and Octoling Boy and, uh, and and the little Salmon Man, which is a small fry, which is your little companion in the story mode, which is going to be great. But I, I'm really looking forward to this, guys. I think um, a lot of the promise come from how they're all describing how they're going to be handling online. Nintendo has never really had a great online service. I think Mario Kart 8... Is, is good. It's, it's not amazing, but it's good. Um, Arms did the online lobbies really well, actually. It always kept you in a game and bounced you around friends. It's actually really surprising. Um, you know, Super Smash Brothers is okay. It doesn't, doesn't do the game the justice it deserves because it's just like a masterclass in, in party and fighting games. But it's there. It works. Um, but Splatoon uh, 3, they're going to be utilizing their brand new um, technology behind their servers, which is pretty cool. Um, I, I don't know how much of an improvement that will, that will make, but I hope it makes a lot. 
They also showed like you can invite friends, do private lobbies, see uh, replays of friends' matches from their perspective. A lot of stuff that say if um, three four three came out and said, "Hey, look, Halo Infinite. It's got it's got like private lobbies. It's got this." You'd be like, "Yeah, well, God, I hope so." Three four three with Xbox Live and all of that. I hope, <laughs> bloody hope so with friend invites. Um, but from Nintendo, it's 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 not a sure thing. So we've got that. We've also got um, Salmon Run back. You can play it whenever you want. It's the Horde mode for Splatoon. Also has its sort of unique event system, similar to what the Splatfests were when like the big boss enemies come. And it says that it just happens from time to time or whatever, but you can expect that probably a month, every two months or something to, to pop up and um, you probably get notified in game. Like, oh no, they're invading. You got to go in, into that mode and do that. So a, a lot of fun. A bunch of customizable stuff as far as the lockers and splat tags and your character customization with different stats and different weapons they introduced. Uh, it's going to be great. I um, I want to get my good friend Wacko Jacko on the show. He never stops playing Splatoon 2, just in entrenched in the Splatoon community. Really keen to talk to him for an encore about, you know, where the Splatoon community is sit- sitting and how it's been over the last couple of years and rolling into a brand new game, how it's going on that way. But that'll be coming up later when um, both us dads can work out a time. <laughs> So let's talk about something that isn't so fun, but being a Nintendo podcaster, I could not really ignore. I think it'd be pretty irresponsible. And just to, you know, gloss over this. Personally, I haven't read it myself. So let's jump into this. This is an article from gamesindustry.biz, which is relaying it from Kotaku, which has a massive write-up about it. But going through it, I could not read that on the show because... I'll, it'll be an audio book at that point, but I'll leave links to the Kotaku article, but I'll read the condensed games.biz article. And the uh, description is, Nintendo of America contractors describe sexual harassment in frat house environment. New report also alleges that women being romantically involved with full-time employees offered more opportunities and access. So let's go. Former contractors allege um, that Nintendo of America was discriminatory uh, was a discriminatory workplace for female contractors, according to an expose by Kotaku. In one of the report's accounts, a former uh, contemporary staffer explained that she reported incidents of sexual harassments in response to uh, the internal staffing company she technically worked for, um, uh, Aerotech, warned her to be less outspoken. Jesus. Kotaku spoke with 10 people who worked for Nintendo at various points of the last decade who detailed various stories of sexual harassments and uh, general uh, and gender um, uh, discrimination um, at a company they said limited career advancement opportunities for women. Additionally, the report highlighted the power imbalance between full-time staffers with contractors saying promotions to full-time work were given based on favoritism, with the head of the product testing department routinely making inappropriate advances towards women working under him. Quote, A lot of the NOA Red Badges, who are the full-time employees, had reputations for using the tester's pool of associates as dating pool, one tester told Kotaku. If you were approached by a red badge and they appeared to be making moves on you, all the other women said uh, said that, um, you didn't want to uh, uh, 
uh, didn't want to uh, disillude them too hard, end quote. Contractor workers weren't given clear goals that would help them be converted or have their contracts renewed. Another uh, disciplinary uh, that reported uh, mentioned was the lack of women who could advocate for others when uh, full-time positions opened. Men who, uh, who were friends with employees were more likely to become full-time NOA employees. Kotaku added the following its labor report in April. Head of NOA, Doug Bowser, uh, internally acknowledged the media's allegations about the company's working conditions. He responded to the coverage saying that the firm has zero tolerance for misconduct. This report joins alleged labor issues that have arisen for Nintendo of America recently. Kotaku uh, previously reported on harsh working conditions for Nintendo contractors in April and IGN followed in May with the additional report where contractors criticized the company culture and their treatment. Last week, Nintendo of America received its second labor uh, complaint of the year. So a lot to take in there, guys. Um, like I said, on Kotaku, there's a lot of quotes from different people, different sources about this. And um, for like my own input, of, of course, you know, you've got to stand with with the people who are saying this. Um, but it's also hard because I don't work at Nintendo. I don't live in America and I'm not in the games industry. So it's um, it's a little bit, a little bit hard, but um all, all, all I say is that I, I hope that Nintendo listens and this company, this hiring company also takes, um, takes his feedback, you know, on board and really you know, makes Nintendo become a, become the ultimate place to work because there's obviously some issues going on there at the moment. And there's always like a devil advocates, uh, you know, sort of thing that goes on in your head when people say like there's no opportunities to move on and favoritism and it's really hard to say whether that's the case as far as like advancement goes on or whatever because, you know, you assume all these people are top of their game, extremely skilled, deserve full-time work, but as far as like room at Nintendo because getting a job at Nintendo, this isn't just a job at some tech company. This is Nintendo. They make some of the best games in the world. Um. So it should be hard to get a job there. And just because you've got, um, just because you've got some, I guess, um, some contracting work there doesn't mean you deserve to become a full-time worker. But last time there were cases of people working there a decade and just advancing nowhere. And if that's the case, that's uh, that's no good. You don't want to be stuck at a place for 10 years and no advancement. That's That's awful for your mental health. That's awful for your wallet. That's awful for a lot of things. So I hope um, a lot of this gets taken on board and Nintendo becomes a better place. And, you know, any any work environment where women feel uncomfortable, that's disgusting. That's awful. We do not need that in the games industry that is perceived to be a man's playground. And with all the sort of stuff coming out of Activision Blizzard, you know, that's just absolutely bloody disgusting what happened over there. And while it doesn't seem like, you know, it's just from what has been said, in this article, it doesn't seem like it's at that level, but it's got to be nipped on the bud a lot sooner than it was over at, um, say, Ubisoft or Activision Blizzard. So I hope it goes. Um, I hope it uh, improves. Um, um, I'm glad that you know Kotaku for the most part, they they got some content that content out there that makes me sort of shake my head, <laughs> but. 
when it when it's stuff like this, it's like you know it's it's good that there's um there's people doing work and figuring out what what people are are people are thinking at these companies and it's important to look out for just just your your fellow coworker whether they're a man a woman anything in between anything else just uh just look after one another and do not make feel make people feel uncomfortable and best case scenario these people that are using this uh the red badges that are just uh picking these pool of associates just as a as cattle for dating or whatever context you want to put of that. I hope they're just ignorant and unaware of what they're doing, but I hope they figure it out after it's uh, blown, blown up over the internet. But uh, yeah, that brings us to the end of the news guys. Let's get into the red coin releases. A lot of great stuff has come to the Nintendo eShop this week. So let's go and check it out. So this doesn't come out just yet, but it's coming out on the 27th of September. And that is Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection. And guys, Life is Strange is like one of my favorite games. It blew me away when I first played it. So now that it's coming out on Nintendo Switch, you know, the original game, please go and play it. It is awesome. I'm actually, let me read this article. So I'm not, I'm not that sure if it came out in the eShop or this is just a physical. Uh, Square Enix has announced the release date of the Switch version of Life is Strange Arcadia Bay. Uh, originally due uh, 2021, the collection itself was delayed and then the Switch version was delayed again. Now the collection which remains Life is Strange Remastered is Life is Strange Before the Storm Remastered and now will be released on September 27th. Okay, cool. So yeah, th- these games were, were great. So the original Life is Strange, there's a, you know, a particular part in that, in that game that really stuck with me and it, it shows you one side of the story then it shows you how they correct that part of the story and what that results in was not the black or white sort of outcome you would expect and you actually have to go back and just undo it because the outcome was a lot worse than what you're trying to fix and that just it blew my mind and it just goes to show that nothing is black and white in this world and just because you look at one thing doesn't it, it means there's uh, you know nuance in decisions, opinions, all of that. But a fantastic game, um, you know, kind of if you remember like, the Telltale games with like The Walking Dead, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead and Telltale games. So this was always going to be right up my alley. But keep an eye on it if um if you want to check it out on Nintendo Switch come the end of September. But uh, this week, guys, we got Blossom Tales 2: The Minotaur Prince. And the Minotaur Prince has returned, and it's all your fault. Lily's back for this new classic action adventure set hundreds of years after The Sleeping King. Grandpa's latest tale takes you on a journey through uh, haunted forest pirate shores and other mysterious lands across a vast open world. Charming towns, terrible enemies, tricky puzzles, and powerful weapons await you. Enjoy a story within a story as Grandpa narrates exciting moments throughout Lily's incredible adventure. So talk about that plenty. Like I said, developer interview. Check it out. Really cool. A game that I have not talked about and is uh, released from Nintendo, um, which I actually have no interest in picking up, unfortunately, just because of the, the whole thing of what it is. It's a Kirby's Dream Buffet. And it's for $22.50 on the eShop. And it's a jam-packed race. Smack your way to victory as you roll through yummy food-themed levels in Kirby's Dream Buffet for Nintendo Switch. 
I believe it's pronounced Barthay, by the way. I was just saying Barthet because I'm reading it. I'm, I can literally just see Barthet. But it's, it's a weird, you know, some words are spelt weird. Feast your senses on this full four-course uh, competition. Up to four hungry Kirby's must rate. Compete in minigames and battle it out across creamy, crunchy courses, overflowing with chocolate, ice cream, and other delicious delights. And I think it's pretty cool. I, I really like the look of the game, but a lot of the sort of fun comes from the, the multi, like the local multiplayer aspect. And I just, um, I don't know. I just, I've got Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, two Mario Party games, uh, Nidhogg, which is so much fun. It's one of my favorite party games um, to play when people come over. God, I love Nidhogg so much. Um, but yeah, just don't have a don't have a need for Kirby. And I think um, also more to the point, uh, this sort of came out from a lot of my friends on Twitter, um, Zach, to be um, specific. Um, you just, it's only two player and you can only play with four, like two more CPUs in a local co-op. It's a, it's a bit of a shame. It just, I think it just comes down to the Switch not being able to render four screens. But, you know, Mario Kart can do it. That's a very fast-paced game. And I don't know. It's a, a little bit strange. But I, I just don't have the need to like, sort of jump on and, and play this. So it is what it is. But hope you guys are enjoying it. I'd love to hear what you guys think of it. Another game is Cursed Golf. 30 bucks on the Australian eShop. Play as the cursed golfer trapped in golf purgatory after a freak accident takes you out as you're about to take the winning shot of an international international tournament. Legend says, uh, says that playing through the devious courses across golf purgatory will get you back to the land of the living and more importantly to the trophy where you're about to win. Each course is governed by a ghostly legendary cattle who were, or caddy, cattle, <laughs> who will uh, tutor you in the mystical ways um, of golf and add and aid you on your quest of redemption and revival. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I've actually, I was actually um, lucky enough to get a code for that on Steam, um, but I haven't yet to play it, but I will get back to you. I think the game looks like a lot of fun and, um, um, I'm really glad that I got access to that game. So I'll be talking about that probably next week. Uh, we are OFK. You might remember this game was announced at a... Uh, it's not called Nindies anymore. It's called Nintendo Indie World. Yes. Um, the sort of UK version of the Nindies. Nindies are dead, by the way. Um, what's his name? Um, Baker left and joined Xbox. So we lost the Indie name when he went... But we are um, OFK is a music uh, music uh, bi biopic about um, an indie pop band OFK dreaming, dating, <laughs> paying rent in LA. All new episodes of We Are OFK are included and will be released every week, accompanied by the release of a new OFK song with each week. Um, they've just moved downtown and we broke up with her long-term girlfriend. Learning, learning into leaning into her dream of making it in music by juggling practice friends a beautiful commute um, to the west side and a full-time job uh, itsu is struggling to establish herself in this cutthroat music scene of la when she talks her way into sh a schmoozy hollywood party and makes friends um, with a rising music a rising music producer she sees a chance to bring her dreams a little bit closer. So we are OFK is a narrative, uh, interactive narrative series um, of 
of arguing over lyrics, sending texts, and playing interactive music videos. So it's going to be five episodes, five interactive music videos, fully voiced um, and uh, emotional texting, first texting, meme texting, and emoji spamming. Original Los Angeles locations. You're going to love the Bobber shop. It's wild. Okay, cool. Yeah, this um, this kind of really appealed to me, guys. I think it looks pretty cool. Just like uh, you get the first um, first couple of episodes, like the, the week it launched, and then a new episode comes out after that. But I checked out this band on Apple Music as well. They had um, one song, and the songs were released as the episodes come out. It's actually kind of cool. You know, you can listen to the album. You can play the game. And the art style looks really nice. The story kind of intrigues me as well and just how it's all pulled together. I think it'll be like a nice sort of interactive, you know, just a little musical experience. I think it looks um, looks great. So it kind of reminds me of, um, I can't remember what it reminds me of. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another random one I brought up, it's called My Divorce Story, which is hopefully it doesn't become My Divorce Story. That would be sad, but My Divorce Story created an experience, created by an experienced divorce lawyer a and based on real-life counseling, now on Nintendo Switch, enter our ordinary protagonist living an extraordinary life. But what's the message? You shouldn't be playing games right now. Your spouse is cheating on you. Who sent this? Can it be true? Collect evidence that your spouse is cheating on you and file for a successful divorce in this unique adventure game. Game features. The battle of wits with your spouse begins. Within six months of discovering the affair, you must gather gather enough evidence and bring it before the court. In this nightmare of a life, you must maintain a healthy relationship with your spouse. But behind your spouse's back, you're gathering evidence for a successful divorce. A breath-stopping minigame. Figure out the password to your spouse's computer before you get caught. Hold your breath so you don't wake your spouse as you gather information from their phone. Collect evidence across a variety of minigames. Your memories are mine. Your memories and mine. Um, Find objects that hold special memories for both of you. Uh, The beautiful memories from the past that the player finds, these become the slivers of rage and misery that form the testimony for the marriage's end and an array of endings to unlock. Unlock the variety of ways that this marriage will end. All of all of it depends on the evidence you've found, the affection of your spouse and all of your funds, happy endings, unhappy endings, and some surprising endings. They're all waiting for you. So that actually sounds kind of really interesting just from reading that it's got a very basic art style. And um, like you said, you're gathering evidence from what looks to be mini games. Um, so I, I, it's not like some really in-depth thing, especially you look at the price. It's like, yeah, you assume it's probably not, but for 10 bucks, it's probably, it's probably worth a go. Actually. Um, there's a demo available as well. So pretty cool. All right. So that's the red coin releases done. I hope uh, something interested you this week. It's actually a pretty great week. A lot of um, a lot of the weeks there's a lot of crap, and uh, a few weeks ago there was um hentai games and all this sort of stuff coming onto the shop and just ignore that. Get Blossom Tales and We Are OFK, Kirby if you're interested in that. Curse the Golf, a lot of great stuff. Um, August is a actually an amazing amazing month for indie games, believe it or not. So. Let's jump into Reggie's Rec Room, finish off the show. Just something I want to touch on. 
before um before we leave. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. So this is just a little interesting tidbit that came over my desk today. By my desk, I mean my Twitter feed. <laughs> and it's um, basically The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild from <laughs> that came out in 2017. It's going to be the longest gap between mainline titles that we've ever had for the series, which is pretty interesting. So this is an, um, a tweet from Geo at uh, um, Bobo's Medallion. And they say, Today marks the longest gap ever in brand new releases for the Legend of Zelda series since the first game released in 1986. The previous record for the longest time between releases was Link's Awakening and Ocarina of Time, which took five years and five months and 15 days. Interestingly, every console 3D Zelda game has released has even taken longer than the last. So the time between Ocarina of Time and... Hold on. Yeah, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask was 523 days. Time between Majora's Mask and The Wind Waker was 960 days. Time between Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword was 1,825 days. Time between Skyward Sword and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was 1,932 days. And today, as on, what's the date today? The 22nd of August, Breath of the Wild and the next game, which we are anticipating, is 1,995 days in between. So, if this trend continues to the next Zelda game, it will re it will release in oh Jesus, 2029. Oh fuck, that's a you put that in perspective. So imagine playing Breath of the Wild two, and just think about it. The next mainline game after the one we're hopefully getting next year, 2029 at the end of the decade. If Nintendo keeps this up, wow. I didn't even get I didn't even get that far reading the tweet. That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. Wow. But I, I I kind of just wanted to bring this up because Nintendo they get a lot of um, they get a lot of flack for basically relying on the, on their true and tried franchises. And look look you know for the most part they do like. But when it comes to the main meat and potatoes of the franchise, so the big Legend of Zelda games, the 3D action games, or the 3D platforming um, Mario titles, they have not relied on just pumping them out. They take as much time as they need, which I think is great. And, you know, as a Pokemon fan, I'd like to see that sort of utilized by Game Freak a little bit more because you can just see what it results in. It results in just um, amazing games. And apart from maybe Mario Sunshine, which, you know, um, could be, you could put down just being rushed for the GameCube launch or, 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 you know, not launch, but around launch or to try and save the GameCube. Like all the 3D Marios have been fantastic. And Mario Odyssey, it, it might not be everyone's favorite, but it was um, an absolutely fantastic title. And they haven't really gone back to that well to, you know, just pump out a sequel. Um, we've seen sort of re-release of re-releases of Mario 3D World, which sort of filled that gap a little bit for a lot of people that didn't have a Wii U. But 
I don't know. I just feel like Nintendo doesn't really rely on their big hitters. And I, I know that they have like the Mario Sports games. They have, um, you know, they re-released Skull Sword and Link's Awakening by, by Grezzo. But really, there isn't a big reliance of um, these games. And back when they announced that there would be a sequel, we sort of assumed that the Breath of the Wild sequel would be just... Just kind of like what they do with Majora's Mask. Just take the assets, shuffle some stuff up, put a new story in there, new dungeons or new um, new beasts to take down and call it, call it yourself a day. But Nintendo's obviously taking taking it very seriously that, you know, a lot of people look at Breath of the Wild and think this is one of the best games ever made. It's really shaken up what Nintendo does and what Zelda should or could be. And they're making it just everything that it that it will hopefully hopefully live up to, which is um, insane what it needs to live up to. Um, but the amount of time they're taking adds to that and hopefully it pays off for them. But I sort of just wanted to bring this up because it was interesting uh, just from the perspective of, I guess, you know, Nintendo's always been just poo-pooed on, but oh, look, it's just Mario and Zelda. And yes, they do have a lot of these things. And maybe we can look at Mario's Strikers just being that sacrificial game that needs to be sold at full price to to allow them to make um so many delays and things to Zelda and Mario and all that. But I'd like to know what you guys think whether you would actually want this from a title like like Pokemon or um even even Pikmin or other series you want to see come back. Because I think um they're doing a lot of that with Switch. They're not just relying on Breath of the Wild or Zelda or even Mario, um, you know, Pokemon's coming out. It's doing what it, what it what it does, but you know that they, they are sort of going back to stuff. You know, they tried Arms, Platoons doing its thing. Um, it's going well. I feel like the Switch library's doing well. I'm a little bit removed now from Mario Strikers, and I'm feeling better about Nintendo. It's it's sort of <laughs> it's sort of making me feel a bit better. <laughs> So yeah, that's what I wanted to come to Reggie's Rec Room for, the, the talk about today and yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long into the show are we? Let's have a look here. Hour and 26 minutes will uh, slap my bread and put some ham in it. That's, that's a long time to be talking by myself. So I think we'll wrap it up here, guys. Thank you very much for listening to episode 220, no, 231 of the House of Mario. Really, really appreciate you guys joining me here for the solo episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to leave the hashtag on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever the hashtag was. That was a long time ago I said that. What was it called? <laughs> at Eric Zarch, at the House of Mario, at iDruby, hashtag... Why don't you call by sometime? I think it was that. Let's get Eric back on the show, back on the social medias. I want to talk to the man. He was a great podcaster and can't wait to hear from him again. And uh, if you'd like to join our Discord community, please come by. You can talk to myself. You can talk to Bryce. You can talk to everybody else in our community. A really nice, small community that, uh, you know, I know that if you join, say, like a, a big uh, community, it's, it's hard to sort of, uh, you know, keep up with everything in that. But tell you what, in our little house, you'll be able to keep up. <laughs> so links in the show notes. Show notes. Jesus. Show notes. Um, so come and join it. But um, until then, guys, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. My hospitality is up. It's time to bloody go home.
I'll catch you later. The House of Mario, a Nintendo podcast, is lovingly crafted and recorded in the southeast of South Australia. The show is produced and hosted by me, Drew Agnew, and my co-host is Bryce DeWitt. If you enjoy my work here and on my other podcasts, Encore at the House of Mario, A Drew Story, and Crackin' Furfies, help spread the word by sharing us with a mate or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you would like to show further support and help me achieve my goal of freeing up one working day a week to spend more time refining and creating podcasts, please consider checking out patreon.com slash idruby where for only $1 you get access to my secret recordings where I share everything behind the scenes. A big thank you to the legend DJ for supporting the content at the podcast producer level on Patreon. From the bottom of my heart, thank you.